Chief Miller is dedicated to featuring the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Chief Miller has a family of content creators who feature great people doing great things, making the fire service a better place. Make sure to follow along as Chief Miller creates, shares, collaborates, and features the special people who call themselves firefighters. Follow along on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller underscore. Like him on Facebook at Chief underscore Miller number one. And watch for all the podcasts featured within the Chief Miller media family. Make sure to check out ChiefMillerApparel.com for all your fire service apparel needs. BSWUSA.com has done it yet again, gang. Hey, it's Jason. And today I want to introduce the new sound with this Shure SM7B microphone I just got from my friend Jamie at BSWUSA.com. It is an industry leader. It's been around for decades. And you know what? It adds accent to what I already have with my great MXL BCD1 mics in this Rodecaster Pro. So guys, again, as I told you, I started this with a mic and an app. And here I am a year and a half later adding some awesome new sound to the show. So this is what you can do if you want to do the same. Go check out bswusa.com and talk to my friend Jamie Singer about getting into a Rodecaster Pro or one of the Zoom boards. There are plenty of options and combos out there where you can get mics and a board at a price you can afford. Again, go check out my friends at bswusa.com. The K-Man Radio Show is proudly sponsored by some great firefighter-owned businesses. And we're going to shamelessly plug them here for a second, starting with AxeCaps.com. If you're looking to get into some great firefighter-made apparel, what about custom apparel from hats to shirts? What about the Can-Man apparel line? Go check out AxeCaps.com today. And Ian Sargent from SGTFireBags.com. If you're looking to get into a clean radio strap, what about a gear bag that protects you from the carcinogens that we're exposed to on a daily basis? Well, go check out SGT Firebags today and use CanMan for 10% off. And my brother, Herb Tyler from National Rescue Consultants. That's NRC.com. If you're looking to upgrade your education in the USAR world, go check out my brother, Herb Tyler at National Rescue Consultants. That's NRC.com. Get off your ass, canners, and get ready for some extreme tabletop exercises. It's time for the Can Man Radio Show. And now your fearless leader, the senior canner himself, Jason Liska. It's a wonderful night for revelation, for brotherhood and fellowship, and we're going to church this evening, and we want to welcome you to another great episode of the Can Man Radio Show, where this evening, we're going to take this to another level. And in fact, let me just demonstrate how this level is going to go.
And if you figured it out, you probably heard him do your damn job. My brother from another mother, a great man, a battalion chief in Texas, the great mentor, Jacob Johnson. Welcome to the show, Brother Johnson. It's such a pleasure to have you on finally this evening. Hey, hey, man, what's going on? You know what? If I didn't introduce this with some gospel, I didn't feel like it was going to be right because, you know, we have talked about going to church and praising and, you know, being both Christian men and and loving the word of the Lord. What better way to open an an episode with some uplifting music and gospel music by far does that. So let's, uh, let's make this happen. Let's take people to church this evening. That's it, brother. Let's go to church, man. Got whiskey and church. Whiskey and church. You know what? There's no better combination at the end of the day. That's a stated (laughs) fact. How have you been? You have been busy, but let's talk about you. Where have you been and what have you been doing these last couple of months? Man, I've been I've been really good, man. Really good. We got some exciting things going on at work, man. Family's doing well and got school done with and Took a little trip over to Universal Studios there in, in, in Orlando and got to hang out with my brother, Baz. Oh, Baz, oh, Basil. Oh, Basil. And <clears throat> old Basil, man, got to tour his station, hang out with him for a while. So it was awesome, man. And I uh, just got back from Oklahoma a couple days ago and got root canal surgery in the morning. Oh, my goodness gracious. You got back, you had root canal <laughs> surgery, and you're on the podcast this evening. So you're That's pulling it. this off. You're pull- So the whiskey is obviously going to be the, uh, the the pain relief for the, the root canal, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, just for a little bit, you know. But, right. hey, the grind never stops, right? We grind. There is no doubt about that. We were talking about that earlier. I feel like sometimes it's better to be travel tired than just tired tired itself, you know? Absolutely. Oh my yeah, gosh. Absolutely. When you're when you're travel tired, you know you're tired for good reasons. <laughs> you were out you were out there going to church. You and that's the whole point, putting out the gospel, putting out the message. And when we first met earlier this year, you know, we had a a, a pleasure, uh, the opportunity and the privilege to sit down with each other and, and and it was more of a privilege for me to be able to meet you um and and get to share your perspectives on leadership and your perspectives on mentoring in the fire service and damn straight. They were impactful. There's no doubt about it. You brought up some really solid points about how, you know, it's not just where we are as a culture. It's what we're getting into the fire service from the entry level programs that they go through and how they might be failing our students across this country, um, preparing them wise, you know, to get them in the door so they can start their career. And then on top of that, we built on the fact that you just need to do your damn job, which by far, I love that name. I love that logo, that title. And I wear proudly (laughs) uh, my travel case that I take with my uh, podcasting gear when I go abroad and I do the show abroad. I love it. I love it. That's it, man. That's, that's exactly it, man. It's uh, a lot of the senior men and women out there just not doing their damn job. And we got to reignite their fire, reignite the fire within the fire service and keep everything rolling forward, man. We got to be positive and, and make sure that every kid that is out there that uh, owe the opportunity to have a love affair with the job. Well, it's hard sometimes. And, and I mentioned this before, and, and some people might say, well, why do we rehash this? Well, I want you to think about it. And I think you know exactly what I mean by this. The, the senior man of today might not be the senior man of yesterday. Um, right. And for many reasons. And I look at what we have now and I wonder why are we disconnecting from the fire service at a certain level in our lives? And why are we forgetting the importance of paying it forward or passing it on to the next generation? Because if we don't do that, the culture and all of the the positivity and the things that revolve and and mind you, you know, as well as I do, the fire service is good and bad, you know, depending on where you work, there's good and bad and everything. It's not a perfect service, but we do have a foundation and a culture and we do have 
a place to look back to. And, and if we're not imparting that wisdom and that mindset upon our youth, what, what is the fire service going to be like in the next 10 or 15 years? And so why are these guys losing that zeal? Yeah, you see, and that's what I can't figure out, right? So if we go back to what you just said a minute ago, why are we rehashing it? Because it's never been fixed. We just continue to put a Band-Aid on it. We continue to put a Band-Aid on it, and we continue to use terms like that's good enough. And we continue to use terms like, I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of myself. Instead of saying like we and us and together, and I got to take care of you. And um, if we start changing our mentality, man, to where uh, the term good enough is out of the fire service and the term mediocrity is out of the fire service, then maybe we wouldn't have to rehash this. Right. Good point. When, when you and I were rookies, man, I mean, we, we had that one person that locked themselves into us because that was their responsibility. Yep. That was almost like it was in their job description. And that's what we got to get back to is as a senior person on the job, this is my job. This is my job description. This is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. And I have to understand that good enough isn't good enough if it's not meeting my expectations or the department's expectations. And if I don't hold myself accountable to my own, then there's no way I can pass it on. Damn, you know, I remember, and, and, and I didn't realize it at first, but the lessons that uh, one of my old captains who retired out of his battalion, Paul Bateman, taught me, you know, it was the lessons of being, um, I guess you would say, uh, understanding, open-minded, calm, but also know how to control a situation and also be aggressive. And that was something that at 20-something years old in my life when I entered the field, was I capable of or ready of doing? Well, I had that one person and then down the road more latch on to me and say, okay, no, this is your potential. We see it. We just have to fine tune those skills because as I've told many people in the past, we are so quick to dismiss these kids coming into the fire service as useless, useless because they're 20 years younger, 10 years younger, 15 years younger. Their mindsets are different. Well, that's fine. They might be 10, 15, 20 years younger. They might be different in the mindset. Culturally speaking, they all were raised differently in some aspects, and that's a whole different branch of culture, but they still have potential. And if you don't tap that fucking potential, why bother? Why bother? Because these kids are never going to do as good as they could have done. And so the mediocrity is what kills me. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. That's the thing, man. There's, we're too quick to say that they're not going to cut it before we actually tried to challenge them to cut it. Yeah. And, and we've, that's what we got to start doing is, you know, you should not be saying that these rookies are not going to make it. You should not be saying that these young officers are not going to make it drivers, right? Each rank has a little probationary period with of course. It. So you should not be saying that they're not going to make it unless you're, you know, a good six months to a year, depending on apartment standards down the road where it's like, we have consistent behavior. Okay. With coupled with, let's throw some hose terms in there, coupled with consistent effort. Okay. Right. Yep. So consistent results with consistent effort, that's a problem. Consistent results with inconsistent effort is not a problem. Okay. Except for the problem on the senior on the senior person on the crew. Yeah. Well, if they're so failing, if, you, if you're not yeah. go ahead, go ahead, if finish. You're not putting in, yeah, if you're not putting in that consistent effort, then you can't say that they're inconsistent at their job. If you're not consistently teaching them, consistently mentoring them, you can't say that they're not going to cut it. Yeah. That's not how it works, right? It's, yeah. it's a one for one for all, all for one type mentality. It's you give me 100%, I give you 100%. Uh, you, so you have to consistently be pushing that effort and be putting those lessons into them if you want to get consistent results of either they're going to cut it or they're not going to cut it. 
I've watched it time after time where, you know, officers have taken new people in and they've literally just said, nope. And, you know, they've done everything they can in their minds. And then you listen to, well, what have they done? And it's like, but you didn't try this approach or you didn't try that approach. And this comes into the whole aspect of the human resource management side of being a company officer. People don't realize it is a level of management. Okay. And you need to understand people in order to be able to manage people. And you need to understand needs, wants, and desires. You need to understand the person, but nobody seems to, and I say nobody, but there is a percentage out there that doesn't seem to understand the importance of that human resource management when it comes to being a company officer or a middle of the road chief level officer or an administrative chief level officer. It all comes at a price. And part of that is understanding people. And you've got to put people first in order to make things better. Okay, if you're not putting people first and you're only putting yourself first, then that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to turn into that inconsistent level. Uh, well, that manager is inconsistent in that sense, and you're going to turn that right. person potentially into a bad egg. And it might not be even their fault. Remember, it's a learned behavior as well, because I've seen a lot right. of probies come out of other houses in different cases where they've got the mindset of that lieutenant and they're not even a year on the job. And they're like, ah, blah, 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 fuck this place. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? You're, you're barely right. a minute on the job. And where, where is that negativity coming from? You haven't even seen the best of the job yet. Well, you see, and, and, and a lot of that, a lot where you see that is where they come from other departments to years, right? Yeah. Where they say like, well, I'm leaving a bad culture to come to a good culture. So the, your effort has to even double at that point. Right. Because no matter how bad that person feels that they're leaving a bad culture coming to go, they're going to be magically fixed. It's not, it's the way that they're trained to think. And so if they come from years of service of bad culture, right. Or bad attitudes or, or treating people poorly, yep. they're going to come with that attitude to your department. And it takes your consistent effort to be able to combat that. And, and just to clarify, when I say consistent effort, you know, before you, they, they, before you find out if they're going to cut it or not, that's consistent effort on both sides of the ball here. Amen. So that, that rookie has to be given con- consistent effort. And so does that mentor, that senior person on the crew uh, to where you can honestly look at your chief or your company officer and say, Hey, great person, great kid, great rookie, great driver, but man, you know, it's been a year and they're just not going to cut it. And we'll get to grooming here as far as becoming a new company officer in a moment. But I think this is a great time to delve into the Jason and the Jacob of 2012, because it seems Ooh, like boy, you I and I have enough time for that. No, brother. no, we got time. The, the time is yours. You're you're the person here that I want to focus on. And, and we can definitely open up about my experiences as well. But I'm willing to bet that in 2012, you probably hit a point in your career where you were at that. I want to leave because this is a terrible, horrible situation, but I don't know. And I, I've never really delved into it. So this is why I want to kind of open up on the podcast because you hit it hard about the fact that people leave bad culture thinking that they're going to find a better situation. The grass is always greener on the other side, but even I've come to realize that's not the case. Oh yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. So let's self. Hey man, hey, well, and just just to clarify again, like when we talk about grooming, as long as it comes out like your mustache, then I'm perfect, man. Hey, listen, your mustache, my mustache. Wait, what mustache? No, your Texan voice. How about that? I will give you credit all day long because that Texan voice is strong, and it takes me to a happy place. The mustache brings on its own level of happiness, its own zip code oh, for man. that matter. 
That's it. You need to get you some stash salt, man, and get that thing winding up. There. Oh, brother, in the stash salt, that is some good product. And I've used it in the past, and I regretfully say I haven't purchased anything lately, but I need to. I definitely need there to. Good go. plug for stash salt. Hey, stash salt. I just learned about them, bro, and I've been watching them on Instagram. I'm like, man, that's some legit stuff they got. Oh, the mustaches so. that are groomed by that wonderful product. I Again, uh, this is not a paid advertisement, I promise you, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Stash Salt definitely uh, puts a damn good product out there, most definitely. Yeah, man. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into 2012 then, huh? Come on, we're going to start preaching. Let's do it. So, uh, 2012 Jacob. 2012 Jacob was a, uh, was a very arrogant, cocky person. Okay. Uh, because... Um, kind of going through some things at home, right. With, with me and my wife and, and, and everything that we had to do to have a kid. And, and then, um, I had had a couple successful rookies that had come out from underneath me and, and were doing really good in their careers. And I just kind of felt like I had it. I just kind of felt like I didn't need anything else. Right. Like mm-hmm. I understood what it took to be a company officer. I am Lieutenant Johnson and hear me roar. Right. Mm. Um, and so along came this kid, man, and, and he was my rookie, and um, he was having consistent failures and what I thought was consistent effort, okay. and, uh, and I failed him 100%. Like, I failed as a leader in the fire service, and uh, my biggest failure is he came to me one day, said, hey, and I've told the story a thousand times, so... I know there'd be a few people be like, Oh God, it's that one again, but doesn't matter. Like, I want to hear it. Yeah. It's my failure, man. So, um, I came to him and I said, look, uh, he's here. I'm sorry. He came to me and he said, Hey, I'm having trouble handling this hose. You know, do you, have, do you have any suggestions? And I said, dude, I said, I've literally taught you everything I know about handling hose. So man, just go gain some weight. Wow. Cause you're a little scrawny kid. So just go gain some weight. Okay. And, and what I didn't know, man, like what I didn't know then was a couple things. One, how arrogant that sounded. Okay. Uh, two, how unengaged I was in that kid. Okay. Right? Like you're, you're, he's humble enough to come ask for help and I just tell him go gain weight. Yeah. And three, he bought weight gainer powder mm. and he started taking weight gainer shakes mm-hmm. and it actually got him sick and he lost weight. Oh no. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't mean like violently or anything like that, but just, you know, it messed him up and, and he got, and he actually lost a couple pounds. And, uh, so, I mean, we'll fast forward a couple months. Okay. I pencil whip his book, you know, which I don't say pencil whip, but he wasn't hitting the mark on every skill, but I was like, dude, we've been at this for a while. You'll, you'll eventually get it. Mm-hmm. And I signed him off. Okay. Well, Lo and behold, that I, you know, that I didn't know is that he was going to go to another crew. So he went to another crew on another shift, started performing the same way, which, you know, isn't part of our expectations. And, uh, it led him to be put on a PIP. Mm. And, uh, my light bulb moment was when that moment happened, he came to me and he said, Hey, I need your help with this PIP. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I've been placing on PIP for performance and uh, quote, unquote, you're the best company officer I've ever had. So I want you to help me write it. Wow. Bro, my heart sunk to my stomach because then at that moment, I'm like, this kid said I'm his best company officer. 
And I'm looking back and I'm like, there's no way I was like at all. Yeah. At all. I mean, I have a picture of the day that he got off probation and like my shirt's untucked, my hair's a mess, my glasses are on my head. I'm not even smiling and we're standing by the hydrant and that dude is proud as the day is long. And I have my hands in my pockets and I'm just kind of like, you know? Yeah. And what I didn't know at that moment of that picture that I knew then when he told me that was I knew that I had failed him, but I didn't have the guts to say that I did. Mm -hmm. And I'd gone against like truly the only one expectation that I truly have, even to this day for my shift, like I have a list, but the one main expectation, number one overall is just be a good human being. Mm-hmm. Like I can help you become a good fireman. I can help you become a good officer. And if I can't, there's 43 other people in the shift that can, but I need you to be a good human being because I cannot control your character. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, like, not like I'm wearing their shirt, NRC, Herb Tyler, Robert Ramirez, all those guys, phenomenal human being. National rescue consultants.com real quick, by the way, national rescue consultants.com. But those guys are good human beings. And I know, hundred percent that that is the type of mentality I want on my ship. And so I knew I failed him and long story short, he ended up getting terminated wow. and uh, I felt terrible, man, you know, and um, it took me a while, but I reached back out to him and checked on him and, and he had gone back to the army mm-hmm. and gone back active duty. And uh, ever since then, man, I've kept in touch with him every, every week. I talk to him every week, text, voice call, whatever, and, uh, he's in, he's in Japan right now for a year with the army. Yeah. And, uh, not two weeks ago, man, I saw on Facebook, he put uh, emergency leave coming home for a little bit. So I called him, I said, Hey, what is the deal? What do you need? And he's like, nothing, nothing. I just got some family stuff and you know, I won't get into that, but okay. I said, okay. But I said, I'm here for you. And he goes, I know. And I said, Hey man, I love you. And I'm sorry. I've told that dude, sorry every week since the day that he left Paraguay. And, um, he said, Hey, he goes, you don't owe me an apology. I've told you this a thousand times. Like you're good. And I said, no, I'm not like, you don't get it. It's, it's something that made me who I am today, made me better. And, uh, he actually came to the fire station and visited with me and took a picture with me and shook my hand and hugged my neck. And he was like, Hey man, I'm going back to Japan, but thank you for everything. And I was like, no, you don't ever thank me again in your life. I said, I just appreciate the fact that you've taken my phone call all these years and you've held a relationship with me and you've allowed me to heal just a little bit. Uh, because right now you probably be a driver, a company officer in our fire department. I failed that. I put your career in a casket and he's like, you're good. And he still calls me LT. He said, you're good LT. Just chill. So, so what you hit on basically was you were that arrogant company officer who thought he knew it all who didn't take the time, who didn't step back and call the audible, didn't know how to take that moment to readdress the situation and approach it differently by deploying a different teaching technique, maybe. You gave him one standard and one standard only, and you finally just threw your hands up because in your mind there was no other playbook. That's right. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, like I said, I had two other rookies before him that came with experience. He didn't, but I was expecting him to perform like the other two that came with experience. Wow. And when he didn't, I just said, well, then you're not worth it. And that's what I mean by consistent effort, 
from both sides to have consistent results. And if you have inconsistent results, then you know they won't cut it because you're both giving full effort. I want to say this much, you know, and, and the thank you part is something I always have a hard time accepting as well. I, I don't take, you know, accolades very well personally. The accolades go to my crew before they go to me, and that that's just mm -hmm. the way it is. But sure. I'm going to tell you thank you because what you did for that young man was put him in a position in a sense where, okay, maybe you failed him, but he did find a calling and he did find a passion and he did find himself in the army. And it's not that it was meant to be, but I get where you're coming from. And at least you were capable and mature enough of recognizing that I fucked up as an officer, that I treated this person just like every other person without giving them the benefit of the doubt and sent them down a very wrong road because granted, I get what you were saying. You know, you were throwing powder at him and saying, you know, bulk this, do that, lift weights, you know, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not scientists. We don't know what it takes for people to bulk up necessarily. And bad advice can haunt you for the rest of your life. Okay. We know that as company officers, what we say is taken almost at the gospel sense in some cases, you know, when we talk as an authoritative position in the fire service, people listen to us because we carry that rank and that credibility. And there can be a negative outcome as much as a positive outcome. So we've got to be careful and mindful of what we say. But what you yeah. demonstrated was humility. And what you realized is the error of your ways. And from that moment forward, how did you address probationary firefighters walking through the door? Uh, well, I, for a year, for a solid year, I told my battalion chief I didn't want any. Okay. Um, that I needed, I needed to work on some things. I needed to kind of figure out what it was, right? Um, because long you know, looking back now, man, without that dude and without that failure, I'm not here tonight talking to you. I'm not traveling around teaching about my, my failure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not anything except probably unemployed. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I think that if I wouldn't have had that realization, I just would have continued down that path. And, uh, it wasn't a path that anybody needed to be on, you know? And, <laughs> I think the harder realization, you know, outside of the fact of him actually being terminated, the harder one was where did I change? Yeah. Where, where did I go wrong? Right. Yeah. Like where does firefighter Jacob promoted Lieutenant and have two successful rookies? Where does he go wrong? And that's where like the importance of mental health and the importance of, of talking out your issues and the importance of, being vulnerable yes. and being humble. Yep. The, the, the two most underrated aspects of leadership. That's where that changed me is I didn't want to be vulnerable and I didn't want to be humble. I just wanted to handle everything and just hold it in and just say, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. And um, I have found that the minute you admit your mistakes and say, I'm sorry, the minute that you say, I don't know this, or the minute you say like, Hey, I screwed up and here's the right way of doing it you know, the better off you're going to be as a human being, but the better you'll feel in your heart and the better you feel in your mind. And then you're able to make those change for a positive outcome and, and push forward from there. Not to mention the respect to your peers and, and, and your bosses as well sure. um, and your subordinates. And I, I, you know, your firefighters, your crew, because if we walk in bumping our chests, you know, thump, 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 like we're the best, we're, 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 you know, not the mortals that we once were because when we were firefighters in the blue shirt, you know, we were just the drones, you know, now we're the upper class right. of the leadership society. No, it doesn't work that way. 
you got to work harder and you got to work so much harder at that level to prove yourself, your net worth, your value. And you've got to give back more in a sense at that role. I think that, um, it, it, it's more of a sacrifice becoming a lieutenant than it is ever just becoming a firefighter in general, because now oh, 100%. You, you have to look at all of that responsibility and all of that expectation that is put in front of you. And a bad company officer can thrive and survive just as much as anyone else, but a damn good company officer will make an impact for a lifetime in a positive way. Absolutely, man. So here's, here's what I've been saying for a long time, man. And, uh, um, it's a part of my class. It's everything, right? Like, and for everybody that listens to the Kim Ann podcast, if you don't hear another damn thing that we say tonight, hear this company officers are the golden ticket to the fire service. Company officers have the greatest quality of impact amongst your fire department. I'm a battalion chief. I have the greatest quantity of impact because I can go see 44 people in a yeah. two day period. Yep. I can go have conversations at the kitchen table for 20 minutes, pull the company officer in the office for 20 minutes and I'm gone. But that's only 40 minutes out of a 48 hour shift. Yeah. That company officer is there for 48 hours. He is, he or she is your greatest quality of impact. They are the golden ticket to the fire service. So if you want a good shift as a chief, you better surround yourself with good company officers. And if you don't have good company officers, you better mentor them to be good company officers. And you better put your effort in to make them make your shift. You say it just like I do in a sense. You know, I tell people that uh, company officers outnumber chief officers uh, in, in all aspects. And if you look for change and impact, company officers have the greatest ability to impact and affect change inside the That's firehouse right. for the culture. And it's true. And it's one of the most yeah. underappreciated roles in some cases because who catches the flack above anybody else? And the, at the, at the end of the day, if it's the, you know, if it's the shift speaking mentality, it's typically the company officer that catches the flag. Right. And mm -hmm. at the same time, we're not out there trying to do a bad job. But then I look back at some of the words of my good friend, Gary Ludwig, who says, you know, you've got to have character and competence in order to survive. And you can lack one or the other, but both thrive where if you don't have the character, but the competence well, you're not going to have the respect of the men, even though you have the competence to do the job. And if you lack the competence and the character, well, people aren't going to like you and they're going to be, you know, like a magnet, you know, they're going to be opposed to your force, basically. And at right. the same time, um, they're just not going to gain anything from you. So character and competence goes a long way when it comes to being a company officer. 100%, 100%. Look, I mean, if you're a company officer that comes into shift, you know, every, every, every tour and says, you know, who am I going to chew out this tour? Who am I going to have to stay on top of? Or if you're the company officer that calls another officer and says, I always have to stay on these guys. I always have to do this. I always have to do that. If you're using the term always, the problem is you. Yeah. I promise. The problem is not the other five on your crew. If you always have to stay on top of somebody, if you always have to do this, more than likely the problem is you. You have instilled a poor culture amongst your crew. And they're not happy. Yeah. Now, don't mistake me in saying that Jacob Johnson is going out there saying you have to coddle these people and you have to pat them on the butt. What I'm saying is you have to support them. You have to make them feel valued. If you don't make them feel valued, they will not perform. Plain and simple. We see it all the time in professional sports. Yeah. How many athletes out there are getting paid hundreds of million dollars a year? They're not performing because they don't feel valued. 
If you're an all-star quarterback with a $200 million contract and you don't get an offensive line drafted to protect you and you don't have receivers that can catch the ball, you feel that the front office of that team doesn't value you. Therefore, your performance goes down. Therefore, your attitude goes in the tank. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you're saying, if you're one of those company officers, I always, 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 then you always need to look in the mirror and look at yourself and evaluate yourself before you react to your crew, because I promise the problem, it probably lies in you. Well, let's circle back to the other aspect before we got into the Jacob of 2012. Then (laughs) I think that, and and that was a great story. That was a great message. Um, I understand PIP because I was on it myself as a firefighter and one foot out the door, but that that's neither here nor there. Jacob, we come in this role, whatever role it is, mediocre at best. Let's just call it what it is. doesn't matter if you're a line fireman, a driver, um, a lieutenant, a captain, a battalion chief. We're mediocre walking in the door. All we did was pass a test and get on a list and get in. Sure. It takes time to develop the skill set. It takes time to develop the, the personality that you, you have to almost adapt to and become. And also the knowledge base you have to grow. And none of that comes overnight. And I think that one of the biggest concerns I see is we're not grooming the next generation coming in the door as they're promoted in that one to two year period or six month period. We're not giving them the tools to be able to be a not Jacob Johnson of 2012 or a not Jason Liska before promotion even. Um, what I'm saying is I think in my opinion, we could be doing better, but where where do you feel departments need to emphasize um, regarding the importance of training our new officers to be ready for their role, or at least to adapt to it as they come in. Uh, man, now, there might be some fire chiefs that don't like this, but that is the most important aspect of your fire department is the company officer and training on leadership, Yeah, training on mentoring, investing in your officers. I promise you, right? Chief Reinwald says it all the time, and I'm going to give him a plug here. He says, if I invest in my people, they invest in the citizens first. If I put them first, they put the citizens first. And we have to remember that that is a great mentality to have. And he's a fire chief. So we have to remember that mentality is that the company officers are golden tickets. The company officers will dictate the attitude of the crew. They will dictate the performance of the crew. They're your greatest quality of impact. And if we invest in them, they will invest in their crew. If they invest in their crew, their crew will invest in the citizens. And it just keeps rolling downhill. Yeah. And I think that we are all too often afraid to say we have to promote from inside. We have to promote from inside. Your best candidates may not be from inside. Sure. And and that's okay, right? Like it's okay to say, hey, we like you. We see what your potential is. We want you to grow. We're going to hold you right here and allow you to grow. Mentor you, put you in a formal mentoring process. We're going to promote somebody from the outside that can bring a good attitude to this crew or the good attitude to the ship. Sure. And we're going to keep moving forward. If you're not investing in your company officers, your fire department will fail. I promise you. Okay. Yeah. And I know that's, I know that's strong for me to say as a battalion chief, but I've seen it. I have lived it. I started a fire department with 17 other fantastic human beings. The only reason that fire department was able to survive what I consider the war years, right, Mm -hmm. is because we had solid company officers that kept the pipemen on track. This is our goal. This is where we're going. I need you to look three years down the road and not three hours. Sure. 
I need you to understand that you're doing this right now for 10 years from now, not for tomorrow and, and be able to, to push that. And, and we survived that because we had good company officers and because our, at the time, our leadership invested in the company officers yeah. and they invested in mentoring and they invested in, in making people uh, take these positions that might've made them uncomfortable, but they had the talents to succeed in. Okay. But then I bring it to another level. Mm -hmm. Why does someone want to be a company officer? Not necessarily you or me, but you also have to look at the reasons as to why are they being exposed to that level of leadership? Why are they exposing themselves to that level? What's their intention? We can do all of these wonderful things and impose upon them the knowledge base of great leaders beyond our capabilities. And if they're not willing to listen, well, then why did you become a company officer to begin with? And, and let's digest that one for a second and, and talk about it because you can have that company officer that does it strictly for the bugle who wants that ability to make more money. You can have that company officer who's you know contractually obligated in a sense where, okay, I have four years to promote and well, looking at the calendar, if I don't do it in this four-year time period, I might not get another you know time here in four years later, might be 10 years depending on the retirement cycle. And then you've got those that really want to go above and beyond and then you got those who want to go and beyond, but don't have any requisite experience and don't know how to go the above and beyond if they were to get promoted. They're just inspired to promote, maybe for the right or the wrong reasons. All right. So let's uh, let's break that one down a little bit. All right. Break it. So one, I can't tell anybody their intention. True. Right. True. Because I don't know it. True. So oh, now what I will back that up with is that whatever their intention is, mm -hmm. there's no justification that they can give for the perception that they put out. Very true. Right. So your perception is your perception and you cannot justify it hundred percent. Right. Okay. Like short story. I learned that last week. Right. Like yeah. I, I said something, it wasn't intended the way, the way it was perceived. I had to apologize for it, but it doesn't change anything about the perception, right? I, I get it. So your intention is your intention, but, but the only way that you can justify your intention and match my perception is through your actions. Okay. So if, if people want to promote for the money, yeah, they're out there. People want to promote for the bugle. They're out there. People want to promote because they have those two, three, four years in the fire department and policy says they can. Yeah. They're out there. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, as a chief, I don't care what your reasoning was to promote. As long as when you promote, your heart is in the right place. The citizens are first. The crew is before you. Training is a priority. Yeah. Setting strong expectations and being accountable to them and holding others accountable to them is a priority. Yeah. And that you come into work every day with a good attitude and that no matter what is thrown at your way, you can look at it, you can divert, uh, digest it, you can decipher it, and you can prioritize it and handle it. And I don't care if you promote it for any of those other reasons, as long as you come in with that attitude. If you promote for the money and you come in with that attitude, like, I'm not here for anything other than a paycheck, then I don't need you in my fire department. Yeah. If you promote for the bugle, Right. Or for the, let, let's say, right. Let's say the, the speaking trumpet, because that's what it is. Right. <laughs> so speaking you, trumpet. I love it. If you, if you promote for the, for the trumpet, 
then and you come in and that's all you want to talk about is me, 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 I, 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 I'm a lieutenant, I'm the boss, you're going to do as I say, and your ears are closed to suggestions, Yeah, I don't need you in my fire department. Yeah. If you're promoted because policy says you can, then you better have the experience just you better have the experience and, and education to back it up. True. And when I say education, I don't mean papers, right? Because papers can be torn and shredded and thrown in the trash. But when I mean education, I mean street smart. Oh, you took the words out of my mouth. Street smarts right there. That's right. Because I'm going to tell you, I know, I know they won't be able to see this recording, but you cannot rip shred and put in the trash what's in my head. No. Right. Nope. Those papers are important. Don't get me wrong. The papers are important to today's fire service. I get it. I have a degree, but my experience that's up here in this small brain of mine is way more important and outweighs that piece of paper that hangs on my wall. You know, it's funny though. I'm going to interrupt real quick. That experience in your head in a lot of ways is what helped you achieve that paper. Because Absolutely. you were able to bring that experience into that college world. And I think that's what people don't realize. Once you get past that associate's level, you get into that bachelor's level or higher. You're putting your experiences into the work. It's not just doing research alone. You're adding your experience, your time and grade, your maturity, your life in some cases um, into these courses. And that makes you, um, I think a better student when you're able to add real life into your college courses, it's not something people do realize often, but it's a requirement in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and so that's kind of my take on it, man. It's like, you know, I really don't care why you promote as long as the reason matches the expectation set forth by the fire department. Okay. Right? I get it. Some people need a raise. Some people need more money. I get it. But if you solely promoted for a dollar sign, I don't need you in my fire department. I don't. And and I'll be happy to hold the door open. Right. I mean, yeah. that's what started do your damn job period was a very passionate speech I gave in an officer meeting, or I'm sorry, a quarterly meeting mm-hmm. where I've straight up told people like, if you're not here to do what's right by the citizens in this fire department, you don't want to do your damn job there's the door and I'll gladly hold it for you. I mean, that's all there is to it, right? Yep. We only have so long on this earth, Jason. Like, yeah. We only have so long on this earth. And even shorter than that, we only have so long to be a fireman. You better be a damn good one. Then I'm going to take this to the next level. I've said it so many times to these kids who are chasing the wrong dream. They're chasing the lateral dream and not the vertical dream. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, well, this department will pay me $5,000 more to go work for them or $10,000 more to go work for them. And it has to be better because, you know, the grass is greener over here. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're on your fifth or sixth department at this point and you started at 21 and you're now 27, how many valuable years of experience have you just flushed down the toilet in a sense by jumping from one department that, to another? Exactly. And not only that, where's your credibility lie? Oh, credibility Nowhere. and it's not gone. to, what about your promotability in general? Now you've got That's to right. wait another four five, six, seven years in the new department just to even potentially consider growing in that department and everything right. between 21 and 27 is all well and good. But at the end of the day, was that total uh, $10,000 investment uh, in yourself worth it when you just lost maybe an unchartable amount of money in time and experience? And you can put a value on it in experience and, and, and credibility and abilities because you were quickly going from one dream to the next thinking that you were going to do better elsewhere versus looking at your department and saying, hey, 
accepting that every department is not perfect. I can make something happen here. I just need to hustle and flow and go with it and, and work hard. And I can elevate myself based on my achievements and my, my peers supporting me, my boss is supporting me. And it's so easy for you to chase that lateral dream. But at a certain point, you've got to realize it's the vertical dream you've got to chase because that's the one that pays off in dividends. You got to work harder for that though. That's right. That's right. And, and vertical, right? Like vertical doesn't just mean promotion. Vertical yep. means just becoming a senior man. Yep. Being a yep. 19 year back step guy, girl, you know, like that, that that's a vertical dream. Damn straight. And, it and is. here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're proud of your fire department, if you're proud to be a fireman, every fireman in this country should be saying, I work for the best fire department. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you hundred percent Pearland fire department is the best fire department to work for. I believe that in my heart and soul. I preach that. I push that to the, to the, to the men and women that I work for a hundred percent. But at the end of the day, there's only a few reasons why you should even leave your fire department, the best fire department in the world. One, because it has a bad culture. Two, because we're talking about vertical, vertical uh, uh, gain as far as promotion. Sure. Right. Or three, because you've retired and now you just want another job. Right. Because I had that. Somebody gets on the job at 18, they retire at 45. They're like, man, shit, I could still go a little bit. And then they come and they start another fire department work another 10 or 12 years. Yeah. That should be the only reasons you leave, man. Because outside of bad culture and promotion, how bad is it? (laughs) <laughs> you know, are you making runs? Are you helping people? Are you getting gear and apparatus and stuff donated or, or bought for you? Or do you have good air packs? Do you, do you get to sleep with an alert system that has selector switches and all this stuff? If the answer is yes to all of that, then you're sweating the small fries. And I'll tell you what I do in a double Mac, man. Yep. I take the small fries and I throw them in the trash, bro. I only go after the big ones. There you go. So, you know, there's, there's, there's no reason to sit here and, and we're horrible. We're horrible. Like, you should say, I work for the best fire department. No matter what issues you got going on, no matter what problems you got, I work for the best fire department. I dare anyone to challenge me. Well, not to mention, if you're going to work for that fire department and you're going to praise that fire department, you better accept the fact that it's not the most perfect fire department in the world, but it's yours. And that's the pride and ownership aspect of it. Departments evolve and changes happen. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. I, during my PIP period, when I was one foot out the door and it wasn't just me going out the door, it was being pushed out the door. I had my application in several other departments that paid much more money to me uh, as a firefighter, would have paid much more money to me as a firefighter, just walking in the door. And all my friends that did the same thing for different reasons, going to these departments, there's only a handful of them that actually are still somewhat appreciative of that paycheck, but regret the decision because of what they lost and how much they miss the department that they came from. Like for instance, Lake County is my home and I'm proud of it, right, wrong, or indifferent. And it's not perfect by any means, but we are a growing and proud department. We have a lot of talent, a lot of beautiful people in that department that make it better every day. But you know, it's also the sick. We've lost a lot of good young minds chasing that lateral dream. And it's sad. Some of them never went any further than just that department. Some of them, you know, were very frustrated when they went, and were too prideful to come back. And some were able to come back. Um, some of them just left the fire service altogether and started their mm-hmm. own lives, their own companies. Um, and when they realized that maybe that wasn't what they wanted, five, six years later, they come back in the fire service and start over again. The point being, 
It's not always about what the grass looks like on the other side of the tracks. You've got to fertilize your own damn grass. You got to make sure that grass grows on your terms because no one else is going to fucking do it for you. That's right. A hundred percent, man. Couldn't say it any better. You know, think about it. If you would have left Lake County all those years ago when you were on the PIP, would you have entered the next fire department with this raving new attitude? For Hell, the no. Fire service? Hell no. I no. would have been an asshole. That's right. You would have been the same person you were then, except on probation, Yep. which is even worse than a PIP, in my opinion. Yep. And you probably would have had to go to another fire department. Oh, and another. And another fire department. And then, and then your credibility's down, your promotional's down. And we sit here tonight on this podcast with you as a firefighter, not an LT. Yeah. And might not even have this podcast because I wouldn't have learned the right. valuable lessons I needed to learn in using and understanding and appreciating the term humility. Okay. And onus and acceptance, because at the end of the day, you have to be able to accept those words in order to be able to grow, not just personally, but fucking professionally. And that was a lesson that literally was stamped into my forehead multiple times or stomped or kicked into my ass because people said, look, you're fucking up, man. You need to really slow your roll. Take that pride and swallow it and just start doing better because you're throwing your potential away. And what I didn't realize is exactly what you said. If I had left, well, I realize it now, but then if I had left, I would have walked in that same jaded asshole making right. whatever money it was better, but I would never have learned the lessons in humility and onus and acceptance and appreciation that I, I would have obvious that I have learned to today to some degree. It would yeah. never have happened. And I'm telling you now, there's, there's no jerk like a high paid jerk. Oh God, you're not joking. <laughs> Money doesn't the arrogance and everything else comes into play. Money doesn't make the world go round in a sense, right? Because we didn't get into this business to be millionaires because none of us are. Okay. You That's know, right. and, yeah. and you brought up a valid point. You're doing the same job no matter where you go. And what you just did was take away from the citizens of the department that you were in. And in a sense, you went to another department to provide that service. But how long does it take to replace you? How long does it take to provide the same level of service? In some cases, that department was providing while you were there for those citizens. And what is the overall impact of that in, that citizen uh, service level if you leave your department? Now, one person may not be a significant impact, but if you start losing five to 10 employees, that does start to get noticed and it does start to weigh heavy because the impact is more than just the mandatory, the mandatory overtime that people are going to have to make up for because right. your vacancies have occurred, but the citizens are impacted because of the decrease in the service level the most, in most cases that some of these bigger or even smaller departments might face with a mass exodus. You've got yeah. to appreciate the people that you serve and 100%. they need you. They depend on you. And if you're only driven sure. by financial means to work for a fire department, then maybe you shouldn't work for a fire department. You shouldn't because... Uh, that's not why we signed up. And and when you say that, man, if, if you're a fire department of less than 400 people, one person leaving severely affects them. Yeah. And depending on your recruit academy, your rookie academy, it's going to take anywhere from three to seven months to get them on the streets and operating as a part of the staffing. Yeah. So you're going to have three to seven months of mandatory overtime. You're going to have three to seven months of being short staffed. If, if your fire department allows you to ride down you're going to have three to seven months of riding short on engines or ladder trucks and providing that service and affecting operations of a fire scene. And the list goes on. And then that one person goes to another fire department of whatever size and injects that attitude into another hundred and something thousand citizens. Yeah. It does nobody any good. Yeah. I don't think people uh, outside of the fire service realize firefighters don't grow on trees. 
They may go through fire academies. They may go through fire academies, uh, you know, by the hundreds and thousands across the states that we live in uh, every year and in some cases monthly. But that doesn't mean there are jobs out there that are going to be ready to go turnkey as soon as they come out in most cases. I mean, hiring cycles happen for a reason. They happen usually right around budget year starting. They happen typically towards the middle of the budget year or the end of the budget year or depending on the department could happen twice a year, three times a year, regardless of the budget year. The point being, there is a method and a madness to how people are hired. And if people don't realize the moment that investment they take from that department is gone, it's going to take a lot more investment to replace them. And, and that's the other thing. The department invested in you when they hired you. They purchased your equipment. They obviously paid for the instruction that you're getting in your probationary school, your recruit school. And on top of that, the health insurance, the pension, and everything else that goes with it comes at a price. And none of that, I don't think people fully understand that it's more than just the dollar figure on your paycheck every week or two weeks. There is a greater figure that the department has invested. And that is something that the department will never get back in most cases. They'll actually take a loss because of those people evacuating their departments for the wrong reasons. That's right. In my opinion, when a fire department decides to hire you, they are investing the lives of citizens in you. Yeah. And you shouldn't look at it as a paycheck. You, you are being hired to protect the citizens of that territory, whether it's a city, a county, a ESD here in Texas, whatever. This, the, the person that's hiring you chose to invest money in you so you would take care of the citizens that, 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 trust, free, that trust you to take care of them. Yeah. And, and that's how you have to look at it. There's no amount of money that will ever outdo or outweigh what your investment to those citizens is supposed to be. Man. And then going back to this, the very beginning of what we started talking about that same concept of investment. It's the person that you have to invest in as well, because if you don't grow that investment and make payoff and dividends, then you're robbing a department as a leader by not looking and acknowledging that investment, that person walking through the door. You've got to look at that person and say, as a company officer, as a senior firefighter, as whatever I might be in this role, whatever capacity it is, it's my job to help nurture and grow that investment. And that's important because again, that comes down to how we grow strong in the rank and file that shows the succession planning mentality that shows everything that we're supposed to be doing And in a lot of cases we are, but there are many that we're not. And where are we falling short to obviously acknowledge that that investment goes both ways. It's an investment from the department and an investment in the leadership above them to help grow and nurture that investment to make them pay off in dividends overall for that department, because that's going to be the greatest payoff at the end. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you're a senior man or woman on the job or a driver, company officer, you're the financial advisor for all the rookies. In a lot of ways. Yeah. You're either going to make them grow or you're going to make them, you know, deplete out. And, uh, what happens when, uh, if you're a financial advisor and, and your client goes to zero, you're probably going to lose your job too. Uh, I was going to say, you're not their financial advisor anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Whatever company you worked for, it, it probably is not going to be paying your paycheck every two weeks either. That's right. And if you're my financial advisor, don't listen to what I just said. You better grow my stuff. You know, when we talked in Georgia, we talked about um, one of the biggest concerns I had was I never wanted to stomp on anyone who, um, because this came up in conversation, mind you guys, and and where I'm going with this is 
there are so many beautiful instructors, talented instructors out there. And, and the moment I met this man, I said, holy crap, I hope he doesn't think that I'm taking from him because my class and his class, while they're different, there are so many similarities and we had never met before in our life. And what did you say to me when we had that conversation? I told you that, hey, we got to spread the word, man. I can't touch everybody in the U.S., so I need somebody to help me out. It is about being part of something bigger than us. It's about being part of the team. And that is something I think we need to instill upon everyone this evening as well. We are not one. We are all. We are a team. We are a united front. And you and I are blessed with some of the most beautiful friends out there that have some of the most amazing talent and knowledge and training capabilities that teach us lessons in not just what they're good at, but humility and appreciation and onus and respect because, you know, we have tendencies as leaders to what fall on our faces at times. Do we not? Mm-hmm. So 100%. let's talk about that. How do we pick ourselves up when we fall on our faces? Because you know what? We have to remember the human factor here. And that's something very important. We're human beings. We're not you know, cyborgs. We're not, we're not a, 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 an AI creature that doesn't have feeling or emotion. We do. And, you know, that's something else. Not only are we considering the needs of the person that we are charged with caring for for 24 to 96 to 48 hours, depending on how the scheme falls on the, the scheduling, but we're also human beings on our own. And so we got to take care of ourselves too. And how do we acknowledge, how do we deal and, and, and what do we need to do better for ourselves as leaders? Man, I mean, it goes back to what we talked about just a little bit ago. Be vulnerable, man. Yeah. Like when 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 you mess up, you gotta you gotta admit it. You gotta say, "Hey, I screwed up, and I'm sorry," or "I'm gonna get better," or "Here's how I'm gonna improve myself." You know, it. What's the best way to put this? Like wow. when you when you look at yourself in the mirror after a mistake, look at yourself for ten times longer than you normally would. You know. And, and truly look and and look deep into your expectations and your core values and, and holding yourself accountable and ask yourself a question like, did I do this? Did I do that? You know, what I started a long time ago was I had a list from all my company officers, stuff that I loved that they did and stuff that I hated that they did. Okay. Right. And that's not to knock on any company officer I worked for. Like we're all different. Sure. I, I, I hope that somebody out there has a list for me. Like I loved it when Jacob did this. I hated it when Jacob did this. And that list is still in my locker today. And every so often I'll just go and read it and be like, have I done any of this bad stuff? And if I have, I'm like, God, dude, like Jacob, what were you doing, man? What were you thinking? And several times I'll go out to the guys and I'll say like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. I did this. And, um, you know, I caught it when I was reading, you know, my little list that I have in my locker. And then I go, I go through all the good stuff and I'm like, am I doing this? And if I am, how long has it been since I've done it or do I do it consistently? Yeah. Did I miss something? And it's just a little list, man, to keep me vulnerable and to keep me humble and to go through and make sure that I do what's best for the guys. Because I also don't want to ever forget what it was like to be a pipe. No. And I don't ever want to forget what it was like to be a company officer. And, um, you know, I got way more years as a pipe and a company officer than I do as a chief. Oh, and yeah. I would like, to, I would like to think that I was successful as a pipeman. I would like to think that majority of my years as a company officer were successful. Sure. And I want to make sure I take all the good from those two experiences and I bring it to that life as a chief. 
And I also take that bad and I don't repeat it, but I never forget it. And then that way I can stop myself from doing it. And remember, it's okay to stand on your two feet sometimes and be proud to be a company officer and be proud to be a leader of a crew. And not to mention the most important thing that I think goes in line with integrity, standing by your crew, no matter what. I think that, and I know you've probably seen it like I have, far too many company officers are so quick to point the finger and blame their crews before they look at themselves and they realize they were the reason for the crew's failure because in a sense it begins and ends with you. And that goes along with what Herbie and I talked about in our podcast about praise. You know, we have to be able to recognize when it's time to praise our crew and that should be every day. You should be out there fucking praising your crew and praising their abilities and encouraging them. And when they fuck up, it's your fuck up. Okay. And you know what? Something to remember. And, and this is a pearl of wisdom. No offense, chief, but the chief doesn't get to my crew. They get to me. The chief comes to the Lou. Mm -hmm. The chief says, Lou, this is what happened. And I say, okay, I'll handle it. I don't need the chief going to my crew. I will manage my crew from that moment forward, but it will not be blame and it will not be yes, screwed up. It'll be, let's talk about what happened. Let's fix this by whatever means we can to fix it. And I think that far too often the trickle down effect happens in a negative way more than a positive way because people are so quick to, if they get yelled at by their boss, well, what happens? What's the natural response of the middle manager? They're going to tear apart the people underneath them because it had to have been their fault. Well, that's not always the yeah. case. It's not always the case, man. No, it's not. And that's the thing, like, like we were saying earlier, right? Like if the crew fails, it's probably because of you. Yep. A hundred percent. Like, unless it's little character flaws in your crew that you haven't found out or that you didn't know about, it's probably you, right? Like, here's the thing, man, you got to remember you, you've got to be as a company officer, you've got to be open-minded. You've got to be like, just because you're in charge, doesn't mean you have to have all the answers Nope. at all. You have to allow your people to teach you every now and then Yeah. you have to allow them to have a voice. You have, they have to be confident in their voice. Um, when they do something great, man, praise them. Right. Yep. And, 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 and don't try to steal their thunder or make it about you. Like, Oh, you were given that opportunity because of me, or you did that because I taught you this, tell them, Hey man, great job support them, trust them, do teach them, mentor them, like give them that opportunity to fall in love with the job and, and, and make sure that they understand that I'm your company officer. I have your back. And as long as you are a good human being, you're going to, you're going to go to the moon, man. Amen. Hold on. <laughs> go to church. I had to bring it in. I love it. <laughs> Brother Johnson, do you think we went to church today? Oh, I know we went to church. You think we laid down some gospel? Oh, I know we laid down some gospel. What do you think we accomplished beyond the fact that two fat guys with really good accents and voices or mustaches uh, could have done better? You know, I think you and I were long overdue for this, and and you know how grateful I am to have you on, and you're coming back on whenever you have time, because I'm going by your schedule. You're on a... 4896 that's foreign to me so i gotta remember what days you have off and what days i have (laughs) off to make this happen but let's talk about where you're going to be here in the next couple months you got big things coming up i imagine yeah man i got a couple things coming up i uh i uh i'm going to be teaching virtually for uh, fri on their uh officer development program Uh, um i just got that email today 
and then I'll be in September. I'll be at Firehouse Expo, uh, laying it down with my boy Sean Duffy. And uh, oh man, I love that guy. And dude, you mentioned Herbie er uh, earlier. Like, how awesome is Herbie? One of the most genuine human beings you'll ever meet on this dude, earth. How awesome is he? And 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 not just Herbie. I don't mean to knock on anybody, but I mean everybody at NRC that we know. Man. The whole cadre, and build oh, your man, culture, amazing, and make do, oh. and dude. Everybody, bro. If, if Pepper, Duffy, right? Uh, Givens, Pablo, Pablo Basil. Uh, everybody at NRC, dude. Like, if we could all get together and throw a party, man, it'd be it'd be one for the for the world record books. That's the damnedest truth. God bless you, mm -hmm. my brother. Thank you for coming Amen. on this evening. And I loved it. Thank you for the invite. Uh, I'm just so excited we got to do this. And with that, being, with that being said, look for Chief Johnson at all these awesome events online, in person. Do your damn job. There's no better way to say it than that. And go follow him. Listen to him. Invite him out to speak to your department. Whether it's virtually or in person, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I had the pleasure of seeing it earlier this year. I love you, brother. Thank you for coming on. And with that being said, always, always remember you're your brother's, your sister's keeper. Keep your head on a swivel. And I'm going to say it in closing. Do your damn job. And with that... <laughs> We'll see you on the next one. You just survived 30 minutes of online training with the Can Man Radio Show. Did you remember to train your probie today? The Can Man knows. He knows everything. When that 2 a.m. lift assist drops, the Can Man will be thinking of you in his dreams.